You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Coach Chris Scott is with us on Crunch Time. Chris, welcome. Thanks, Chair. I'll do my best to be as candid as Andrew McGraw was. He was pretty impressive. He was very impressive. Hey, when you come up against the team who spent the week being filleted in the spotlight, does it add a variable that you have to be just a little bit aware of? I think it does. I, I'm not a believer of you know, pretending things aren't happening. I mean, there's no point sticking your head in the sand. They'll be under pressure. And, um, I know from experience at various times, both as a player and as a coach, it, it tends to elicit a response. Now, how extreme the response is and how effective it is is another matter, but um, I don't think they will have just gone about their business this week. And, um, you know, despite what Andrew said, and I again, I, I thought he was very impressive, I don't quite buy the fact that they'll be okay with a, an honourable loss. Yes, yes. Um, is it possible that an opponent could play in a way uh, that you haven't seen them play this year on the back of a week like this? Could, could they flip their game plan completely? I think they'll change some things. Whether it amounts to a complete 180 um, is another matter. I, I think that's really difficult to do um, and still remain cohesive. Um, so they've played... Um, a particular spot style in defence in particular, I think that's a little bit hard to change over the course of what really amounts to only a couple of training sessions. Um, but you actually don't have to go back too far to their two Eddie had games against the Crows um, and Port Adelaide to see some pretty scintillating offensive play. Um, so listening to Andrew talk about the emphasis on skill this week, that um, their focus will be... And really, I'm speculating here, but I suspect the focus would be on releasing the shackles a bit, playing a bit faster, backing their skills in, and if they make a few errors, they can live with that as long as they're bold. Chris, uh, with the exception of uh, one quarter over a five-week period, you'd be very comfortable, I would think, with the way that your defensive structures are going in and whatever they're doing. Um, I think that you should be reasonably confident that uh, what you guys are doing yourselves can counter it. I hope so, Plough. Um, I should say I'm never comfortable um, as a coach. Um, you know, whenever you let your guard down, particularly defensively, as we did, it was more complicated than just our defence against Sydney in that last quarter. But, um, you know, it, it, it can be, especially with a young, inexperienced group, which we still do have, it can be a mistake to just assume that everything will um, keep tracking the way you've been playing. So what we have emphasised the things that we've been doing well, acknowledge the, the threats that are really possible if Essendon can play the way they did against the two Adelaide teams. So, yeah, we think structurally we've been standing up pretty well, but unfortunately you just, you've got to start from zero every week and prove you can do it again.
Just on a, a bigger picture thing for uh, for the Geelong fans listening to us, you, you played in a couple of preliminary finals in a row. Um, we've seen sides in this competition not necessarily need to finish one and two with recent years to be able to win it. Is it just posturing yourself and winning enough games and getting things absolutely right towards the back half of the year that the Geelong Football Club needs to look at? Well, hopefully. Um, I think it's a mistake at round nine to make assumptions that um, we're going to be good enough um, at the end of the year. We we are, at least in terms of personnel, a different team to the one we've been in in previous years. Um, And we think we've got the potential um, to improve um, quite a bit. So if, if we do... If we do finish um, high enough, and I think you're right that it's probably shifted a little bit from the the past in that you needed to be top four. But you know, if, if we're close enough and we're playing our best footy, I think at this stage I'd give a, give us a chance. Um, and that's different to where we've been the last couple of years, when for one reason or another we just weren't at our best when it counted the most. And I think with an even competition, particularly up in the top ten or twelve teams, um, it's not necessarily. Um, who the best team has been across the course of a year, but it's who's the best in, in that sort of last four to six weeks. Chris, one of the talking points uh, this week is Adelaide's injuries and, and their perceived lack of transparency with that. What responsibility do you have as a club to, to give the accurate information to your fans in your eyes? I actually caught a little bit of your show um, the other morning um, and was interested in the discussion. Um, and, and I guess... Um, I'm probably 50-50 on it. Um, I'm, I'm probably not quite of the view that I think you have, which is that clubs have an obligation to their supporters and the wider football public to be completely transparent. Um, and I think for the most part, um, well, I guess if transparency includes um, you know, being really clear when you're not sure, then that's okay. But I think being a little bit um, uncertain and grey on things is more a reflection of the fact that very rarely do we have certainty with injury um, as opposed to being deliberately evasive. Um, I think particularly with long-term players it's hard, but I think we do have an obligation there to the wider football public to give a bit of clarity on where their guys are at. Now, by definition, the outlook's going to be a little hazy, um, but... When supporters don't see players play for a long, long period of time, um, you know, that, I, I think we do have a duty to say, look, you know, they're, they're still they're still plugging away. As Bob would know, you know, rehab's a very lonely place, and um, you know, they, they, those guys can be a bit out of sight, out of mind. So I think I think it's a good thing for the footballing public to try to put as much on the table, but we'd never do that at the expense of you know what's best for the individual or, or, or for the team. And there are those obvious examples where a player's got. Um, an issue that we don't want the rest of the competition knowing about. I, I, I would really rail against being forced to be completely transparent in that situation. So your late changes, you've had a number this year. What percentage do you think, if, if you've had 10, just say that's I'm plucking that number just to make it easy, what percent would be strategic and what percent would just be, um, un, no, I mean, forced with uh, an hour or so to go pre-bounce? You can't think of one that was strategic. Mm. So... In that, I can understand that people get frustrated um, that they've put their super coach team in, their dream team in, <laughs> even had a punt on the footy, and um, the team they thought was playing is not playing. But it's also a little frustrating for us that we have players that, you know, are really racing the clock to get up, and yet we need to put a team in Thursday afternoon before we play Sunday afternoon. Um, and 
Man, I don't really care if people get frustrated, to be frank. The rules are really clear. You need to put a squad in. If you want to change your squad, you've got to let the AFL and the opposition know. And 90 minutes before the game, um, you finalise who your 22 are. And even in that pre-90-minute period, if you get an injury, as we have had a couple of times in the warm-up, um, you've got every right to change them. So, you know, I, I guess I'm um, aware of some of the frustration. I just don't really care. At the umpire contact issue, Chris, we've ended up with four guilty verdicts, two fines and two suspensions. Have we reached a satisfactory position at the end of two weeks or an unsatisfactory position? I'm not sure. Um, I'm clearly biased um, and there's no system of restorative justice in our um, um, procedure, so... The fact that Tom's missed the game can't be changed. Um, we were very, very comfortable that it was the, the right message to send across the competition. Just a little confusing that what was right one week didn't appear to be right the next. So I, I think it's probably more um, flaws in the in the procedure um, and the system rather than what the AFL think is appropriate and what's not. Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt across the competition that players shouldn't touch umpires. Um, I think there's a fair bit of doubt around uh, players going out of their way to touch umpires deliberately. Now, as I've said in the last week or two, um, you know, I think you know the, the, the two recently retired players you got with you would attest to the fact that there's a fair bit of inconsequential contact with players and umpires all the time. And I thought it was instructive that two of the umpires involved in, in these issues, both involving the Kerno brothers, said they didn't have a problem with the contact. And I, I, I thought that was a refreshing approach for them to take, as Peter Ryan said in The Age, the, um, you know, we, we don't want the umpires cruising around in the Potemobile. Yes. <laughs> he argued the contention that uh, the three subsequent decisions were right and the Hawkins, um, well, what applied in the Hawkins case was actually the outlier. That's what was wrong. Is, are you of that view? And I think that was pre-AFL appeal. So it was? Yeah, yeah, I think his contention was that a fine would have been appropriate in all of those cases. And if that was deemed to be a strong enough message to the rest of the competition, then, yeah, I would have been comfortable with that. And I must admit, that was that was my impression of the way it was tracking with Hawkins until the last minute. Did you get hoodwinked at the last minute? Well, I'm not really the person to ask. and I'm, I, I, I'm genuinely not being evasive here. I just um, don't get involved in the nitty-gritty of the um, tribunal defence. Um, but, yeah, my understanding um, was that, yeah, it was, it was looking like a fine and, and then I got the message late that it didn't look like that. So, I mean, one, one could make the, um, the correlation between maybe a little bit of public pressure and, and, and look at the game and a, and a twist in strategy from um, those in charge. Did you get any feedback after the first meeting of the competition committee? Uh, so Geelong has the president and Paddy Dangerfield as the president of the AFLPA on. Is Did you like the sound, uh, the tone of the meeting and the ideas that are on the table? Yeah. Um, Ryan Cook, Simon Lloyd and I caught up with uh, Paddy Dangerfield and Colin Carter, who, as you said, are on the committee, and they gave us a bit of an update um, uh, into... Um, you know, the, the discussions, um, Steve Hawking subsequently sent through um, 
a memo with, with the minutes of that meeting, um, highlighting the fact that they're confidential. So I want to be careful with what I say. But I think, I think the takeaway in terms of the, the broader conversations were more around what's, what's going to be good for the game longer term. So is, is play movement good or not? Um, do we want to make the game more attractive if we possibly can? What's the risks to making you know, tweaks to try to achieve that aim? Um, it sounded very, very global, big picture stuff to me. And do you do you think that will have the impact that I suspect Steve Hocking wants it to have? Yeah, I think it will. I think it's a really um, responsible way of um, you know, collaborating with you know the people who are involved in the game. I think. I've been very strong of the view in the last five years that there's been the perception that the coaches want to influence the rules of the game. That's a harder one to defend in the last week or so, I must admit. Um, but I mean, at least I'll speak for myself. My position is that um, the, the coaches have a big say in how the game's played tactically, so it's, it's prudent to ask the question, if there are tweaks made to the game, what's the likely tactical... Um, response, but at no stage should coaches be trying to dictate, um, you, you know, particular rules or particular changes to the rules. And, and from my perspective, I just don't trust myself to be unbiased in that view. I'm unashamedly um, a Geelong person, and I want what's best for Geelong first. Now, even if I try to set that aside and say, no, no, I'm thinking about the game in this particular instance, I just don't think anyone's good enough to completely separate that bias. Uh, Chris, how difficult will it be later in the season to get your best side, what is your best side, uh, lined up against each other? Because you've got some you know, excellent players that are out, but they're going to be marginally underdone. How is that going to marry together? It's going to be a tough one. Uh, it, it, it's a situation that we've probably wrestled with the last couple of years as well, Terry. So it's not saying we've got the answer necessarily, but we at least have a little bit of experience with it. Um, the the pleasing thing is that the young players in particular that have come in are doing the job at the moment. Now, there's no guarantee they're going to continue to do the job, but that does potentially allow us the, the luxury of taking a bit more time with some of those experienced players, potentially playing a bit more um, VFL footy and, and really picking a team that, um, you know, given there is you know, two-thirds of the season to go, there's enough time to, um, you know, not to feel the need to rush, say, Cam Guthrie or Nakai Cox to Lincoln McCarthy back into the team. Um, but, I mean, the, the, the best team, you know, I think all coaches, assistant coaches included, through the pre-season would muck around with what their best 22 um, looks like. And you know, the, the, the 22 that I had sketched out in November is completely different to the one we're putting out on the park at the moment. Um, and there's no reason to suggest that... Um, you know, the best 22 later in the year will be different again. And, um, you know, the trap is to sort of look at the names, um, you know, on the whiteboard and get seduced by what they've done in the past. And, and you know, that can be a mistake because you tend to overlook what, you know, Jack Henry and, um, you know, Lockie Fogarty and, you know, Sava Radigalia are doing right now. What do you do for the rest of the day, Chris, before it starts? What time do you get here? Well, if I had my way, Jared, I'd only be there about 40 minutes before game time. Um <laughs> But um, um, Sophia Samatis, our uh, assistant GM, gets a bit nervous. So I'll, I'll be there about... ..gets a bit nervous. So I'll, I'll be there about... ..the final three or four hours before the game. Um, in my experience, very, very little of it 
is worthwhile. So um, to a large extent, you know, until the siren goes, um, you know, it's um, just try to relax and get out of the way. All right, we'll see how it goes. Thanks for your time again, Chris. No, thanks. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Chris Scott with us on Crunch Time for the 2018 Power Core Country Festival. Celebrate the power of country and the TAC Safer Roads Save Lives working towards zeros. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91